Hello, listeners. Are you dealing with a family feud? Messy money matters? Craving a clever comeback? Again and again, I've said, look elsewhere because I don't have the answers. But that being said, I've got some pretty extraordinary friends and guests who are actually willing to help out. Kristen Bell advised a preschool assistant about how to stop her co-teacher from constantly playing Disney princess songs in class. Paul Rudd named that thing. And Lena Waithe herself gave some invaluable dating tips. Where else are you going to get that kind of wisdom? Don't ask me, but if you do, you could possibly get an answer from one of my guests. Go to don'tasktig.org or call 833-275-8444. That's 833-ASK-TIG-4 and leave me a voicemail. On with the show. Was there a part of you at all that when you got off stage that night, were you thinking, okay, I'm going to go do this on my own now? I don't no. need this. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need it. I mean, it's time to make the full amount of money. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what people always ask us. What's the best part about being a comedy duo? And we say that it's we get to split the money. No, it's terrible. <laughs> we, we beg them to. They allow they, us. They want to pay us twice. We're like, cut it in half. <laughs> Let us each take a half. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, hoping that today's episode provides you with twice the usual amount of unqualified advice. My two guests today are comedians, actors, and identical twins. Their credits include What We Do in the Shadows, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Together, they host the podcast View from the Cheap Seats. Randy Sklar and Jason Sklar, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my it's gosh. A treat. What a treat to hang with you. It really is our favorite thing in the world. Come on. Your favorite thing in the world. Does this feel like parenting for you? You're just talking to two twin boys and telling them what to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Before we uh, started recording, there was a real nasty fight that broke out between the two of you. On this Zoom. There was. There always is. And you had to be peacemaker. Yeah. Randy was telling Jason to fix his microphone. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad nobody else heard that except my producers. And now everybody. It was very <laughs> passive aggressive. It's it's like was when it, you're part. Was it passive aggressive? <laughs> I don't know. Are you ever passive aggressive ever? <laughs> Am I being passive aggressive now? I is, don't know. Weird. Tig, can you help me? Is that what's happening right here? I refuse to get involved in this nonsense. As you mentioned, like I have two of you coming home from school today that I'm going to have to deal with. Yeah. And I have to deal with bath time. With us. Uh, yeah, I can't with, believe you have to deal with bath time. With I have us. to give you both baths. On this Zoom, you have to supervise our bath time. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my weird. gosh. That would be such a crazy, when I say dream, not like a fantasy dream, but. Fever dream? No, fever. <laughs> Nightmare, nightmare. <laughs> if, we call those nightmares. <laughs> if I <laughs> was having you two get undressed 
and put your clothes in the laundry room, which is what I have Max and Finn do. And then go try, which is to go to the bathroom before bath time. Go try. Go try. Yeah, go try. And it's funny because we said that in front of our friend's partner who is from the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And then later he came up to me and he said, what is try? <laughs> it's like it was <laughs> by the way that could be a self-help book exactly what is try would you know what i was talking about if i said hey you both need to try before you get in the yeah, bathroom go pee in a toilet not in the tub that's okay. what i think you'd be saying all right well yeah so if i had you both strip down put your clothes in the laundry mm-hmm. room go, go try, try and then get in the tub <laughs> I mean, the entire time we're in the tub, I'd be yelling at Jason, fix your microphone. And then you'd be yelling at both of us, don't put a microphone in the tub. Nah, I'd probably be like, you know what? I'm going to let it slide. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what it's doing. It's sliding down the side of the tub. Come on. Fix your microphone. Fix your game. Uh, I have not seen you two in a beat, I would say. It's been too long. It's really great to see. I've known you for years. You're two of the silliest people I know, and that's all I'm looking for. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Not just silliness, but good silliness. You guys yes. have good silliness. I was trying to explain to my daughter why this business that we're in, as frustrating and difficult as it can be at times, is just there's no other business for us. Are you saying there's no business like show business? For us. Only uh-huh. for us. Only okay. for the two of us. Uh, the three of us. But no, is that you get with your friends and you just start riffing in ways that it just doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Right. And the rubbing together of those sticks to create the little fire, even if it's just for us in a green room yeah. or if it's for millions of people who are listening, and I mean tens of millions of people who are listening to this podcast. Hello. When you rub those sticks together and create whatever comedy flame comes between us all mm-hmm. to me it's the stuff of life tig yes dear yes amen now when did you guys start collaborating how far back does it go the womb uh we met on a commercial audition <laughs> Love to start saying that. <laughs> neither of us got the job i think the first time we got on stage to do stand-up we were 14 mm-hmm. wow so 1986 what city St. Louis. A friend of ours who was 15 was doing comedy sports in Kansas City and said that someone came in to their club and was like, there's going to be this new TV show. It's Disney's doing a version of the Young Comedian Special called the Young Young Comedian Special, 16 and Younger. Do you guys have a tape yourselves doing stand-up? And we were like, yeah, we actually just filmed ourselves doing stand-up at our high school fall follies. Wow. Original material. And we sent it in. No, no, no. Don't gloss over the fact that we had to go to the guy who made our bar mitzvah video because he was the only guy we knew who had like two decks, VCRs to be able to record a tape (laughs) to a tape. We put it in a giant envelope and sent it to Los Angeles. We thought, no, no, we'll never hear from these people ever again. Meanwhile, Half of the material we did was stolen because you just did bits that you loved from other people because we were 14 and didn't know better. And then half of it was stuff that we wrote. We get a call like three months later at our house. Like we took the phone with the extra long cord that could go from the dining room (laughs) into the kitchen and then around the thing. And we were talking to these people at night 
because it's two hours earlier in LA and they are like, we loved your tape. Now you can't steal material. We're like, we can't. <laughs> they're like, write a bunch of new material and change this and do this. And and they're giving us notes that like, it would take us a decade or-, or It did take us a decade to figure to out. To figure out, but like do all this stuff and then go up to your local comedy club like next Tuesday and record another tape and send it in. So we call the comedy club, The Funny Bone in St. Louis at Westport. Oh, I've done it before. I've done the uh, late show. That's fun. That's yeah. just a blast. Three shows and, in a night, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure they were really patient and enjoyed yeah. every oh, pregnant yeah. pause you they had. They loved it. So we called and we're like, hey, we need to come up and do a spot. They're like, how old are you? At the time, we then had just turned 15. We're like, 15. <laughs> and they're like, no. This is a bar. Said, no, like, you cannot. No, you can't even come in here. So <laughs> yeah. we call back the production company and we're like, hey, they said we're too young to come there. They're like, okay. And we were a little relieved because we were like, thank God we don't have to do it. They said, sit tight. Five minutes later, we get a call from the club and they said, you're up on, you're Tuesday. Up on Tuesday night. And we're like, oh my God. So we had to write all this other stuff. And the thing that encouraged us is we were young enough and it weren't like going out to Hollywood at that moment, but that they said, you guys have something. There's something really interesting about the two of you guys on stage and the way you interact with each other. Again, we wouldn't figure out for years, but that was really the beginning of us collaborating. And then we did through high school and college and then after moved to New York. 37 years ago. That's 37 years ago. Oh my it's God. Crazy. And is there a joke that you remember you feel like is the most solid one from back in that day or... We did a thing about how our math club in school is having trouble getting members. And we think they just need better marketing and they need a commercial to really energize the public. I think that was like, so we then <laughs> launch into, so they need to hire the guys who do the truck and tractor pull commercials for truck and tractor pulls to come to town. So <laughs> then we just did a huge like truck and tractor, like Dave so-and-so with this, fire throwing flame eating green protractor pull like we're using every joke <laughs> of, of a math thing that connects to get out your rulers and it was it you know all that stuff and it and was i'm sure all that material you could just use for years to come killed <laughs> <laughs> at a comedy club where no one was in high school but yeah <laughs> but that idea of that thing is it's funny. I mean, like we just wrote a bit about in our standup recently about true crime stuff mm. and like seeing a giant billboard on Sunset that said, we have the number one streaming show in America, Dahmer. We're like, should you be bragging about that? Is that congratulations, maybe? <laughs> and then I can't even imagine the meeting of people trying to be like, we to, to celebrate that they have the number one show. Guys, we're killing it. We're killing it. it. We're <laughs> killing it. Literally killing it right now. Not and, like Jeffrey. But, I mean, Jeffrey literally was killing can it. Can we take a moment and thank Jeffrey Dahmer Without for killing Jeffrey all Dahmer, we don't have the number the one number streaming one show in the world. Let's wheel in the cake in the shape of his fourth victim. Come on, everyone take a bite. Let's, Get in let's, here, guys. Okay, so that is the idea of us acting out this thing was born into the very first time we stood on stage that like, here's this premise and here's this thing. And we didn't even realize it, but we're like, this is how we're best used on stage when we can present a scene rather than an example, you know? Mm -hmm. When you're telling a story, do you always chime in and kind of say the same thing? Because obviously doing stand up, you learn your beats. And when you say this and you use the same words and it's repetition, right? And so 
with two people telling the same story, are you guys coming in at the same time every time or? That's a great question. That's a great question. I, I think because especially the stories that happened to both of us, if we were both there, we both remember it really well. So yeah. I'll be speaking. And if I feel that Jay has something that he wants to say, the first thing I yeah. say to him is fix your microphone. Fix Jesus. it. God, fix on, the man. game. Get out of the bathtub. Get out of the bathtub. Fix your microphone. Fix the game. Go try. Go, Go try. try. Go and try. then <laughs> fix your microphone. No, but I, I think what happens for us, it's funny because I just took my nine-year-old daughter to New York City and she's become like this crazy jazz fan, which is weird and awesome. Oh, and I took her to great. see a jazz show at this little club called Smalls. And we were sitting next to the stage and... I could really see how the band was non-verbally communicating with each other about who was jumping in and who wasn't. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about it in the context of what Randy and I do. Yeah, It's a lot of like listening while you're talking and really feeling the other person's tendency and trusting that if someone wants to butt into this conversation, that they have something that they believe in and you let them go. And, And that vibe and that trust that's what builds up over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it seems like we flow. Yeah, it's very, very fun. Now, fellas, mm-hmm. who's better at giving advice out of the two of you? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I can explain to Jason why I'm better. I'm just no, no, no. <laughs> I think Randy likes to give advice more and knows less. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I definitely okay. come in hotter. Let's just start with that. Like he'll have a take before he knows what he's saying. I Thank will you. probably give better advice, but do it less. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to advice questions now. I love it. Great. The first one is, it's about new beginnings. Mm. Okay. Tim writes, hi, Tig. I survived a near-death experience last year. I'm in my late 40s and very active, so this was unexpected. After a lot of time and against all odds, I was given a clean bill of health, but I feel like something in me shifted in some fundamental way and going back to a tech office job seems nearly impossible. When I tried to return, I couldn't focus at all and couldn't get anything done. So now I'm wondering what to do with my life. I have a lot of creative pursuits, some of which I'm pretty good at. If I was in my 20s, I might consider jumping into something creative, but that feels more daunting at my age. I feel optimistic that there's something for me out there, but the path has yet to emerge. How should I go about discovering my new vocation? I'm prepared to think way outside of the box. Mm, Man, one word comes to mind for me, pornography. No, hang on a mm. second. Hang mm-hmm. on a second. You jumped in fast. Sorry. Sometimes people are say, I got to change everything all at once. But mm-hmm. you can start to test the waters of your creativity and what you want without completely jumping ship from what you're doing right now. There's a way to do it in a much more measured approach that whatever creative things you're doing will satisfy that need inside of you. We as comedians just explained on the show how one new bit that we tell in front of people can keep you going for a long time. And that's just a tiny idea that you present to people. And there are ways to do it and where you can keep working at your current job. I know it sounds scary to just change everything over as a ways to make money so that you can try out all the things. So I would say be fearless in all the things you try to do but also be practical in terms of like, I got to live my life and still maintain my life in a certain way. And so I think 
try everything creative that you want to try, whatever that means. Write a book about near-death experiences. Yeah. Like, I would love to hear that. Do a podcast about it or something. That, to me, is fascinating. I think that's basically in line with what I was going to say is after you experience something so heavy and intense, you do feel a little out of sorts and disconnected from the rest of the world and your life before. I mean, that's how I felt. And it takes a little while to ease back in and figure out who you are and what you want to do. And if you have any sort of hope or dream that you have not pursued, just remembering the fact that you had a near-death experience should propel you towards trying all of the things that you thought about doing or dreamed of doing or thought you'd never do. Now is the time. I'm going to throw out, I just came up with the title of the podcast or the Mm -hmm. book or whatever, Life After Near Death, (laughs) Life After the Near Death Experience. Like, Yeah, yeah. To me, I'm fascinated by all the things you just described to me are fascinating. So wait, Ren, I want to piggyback on what you were saying because I think- If you have creative pursuits, a lot of times people are like, what do I write about? What do I talk about? And I think you can start with this like life-shifting experience. And I'm sure there's like a whole machine and world around those like near-death experiences, like coaching people through it, or again, doing a podcast about it, or a, a painting that is evoked from the emotions you had within that, or writing poetry, or songs, music, whatever it is, using this like massive life moment that obviously has affected you in such a deep way as the root, or maybe perhaps like this catalyst of creativity, I think is a good place to start. Well, Tim... You're asking the right questions. Good luck in finding whatever is next, my friend. I love it. Randy and Jason, we're going to pause for a short break. And then when we get back, we're going to answer more questions. Great. Love it. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Way basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Way with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise 
people like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday, and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Hey. We're back already. Okay, I love it. We're back. Ooh, nice break. Jason and Randy, this next question was sent in by a listener who, like us, is trying their best. Lindsay writes, my husband hates my cooking. To his credit, I never learned or liked to cook until recently, and he always cooked. This past year, I've been making an effort, cooking recipes and trying my hardest to make good dinners. Last night, after a couple of glasses of wine, he accidentally let it slip that even though I'm trying, my food is still not good. Should I just give up or keep trying to prove him wrong? Mm, This is a great question. (laughs) My initial thought is, okay, so this cooking thing and his opinion of the food is kind of like becoming a wedge issue a little bit here. Yeah. A wedge salad issue. There's an iceberg wedge between <laughs> you now. So Sweet. I'm saying maybe you say to him, because sometimes like when someone pushes against you and is like, I don't like your cooking, you can be like, well, you're, you smell weird. You throw some weird thing back at them. Instead of pushing back, then you could say, okay, well, I have an idea. How about we do something together? How about you show me how to cook something and we endeavor to Ah, do something together and you can show me how you do it because I actually love your cooking. And maybe I can learn a little bit from you and we can do this experience together and make something together. I think it's really hard for that person in that case to turn that down. If that person turns it down, then you guys probably have to talk about some bigger things. But I think if they're open to wanting to guide you, that could be a good moment for you guys. This is really great advice from a person from the show me state. (laughs) Right. Show me how to do it. it. Show me how to do it. Show me how to do it. Yeah, I like it. I don't know how you're doing your recipes and how you're getting the recipes, but it's very hard to cook. As someone who does not know how to cook, and my wife is a phenomenal cook, and I'll cook something, and my kids are like, why did you do that? You did it wrong. Let let mom do it. Just just stop. Just get away from it. It's too smoky in this kitchen. We've already called the fire department. And I'm like, I'm just making pasta. It is not that smoky. It shouldn't be that smoky. It should be not smoky at all. You put three different kinds of pastas in here. And this one is wet. And this one's not too yeah. al dente. This one's on fire. <laughs> Why is the pasta on fire? It's in water. How is it on fire? So <laughs> I, I'm someone who gets that. You don't so, like my smoked penne? What's up with you, bro? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there is, we have come to the realization that my wife is a fantastic cook. So what we do is she cooks the dinners because everybody in the house is happy about it because she's a wonderful cook. In turn, yeah. I say, you don't lift a finger after this. You cook it, it goes on the table, I'll do everything else. I'll clean everything. Uh I'll put it away. I'll make the kids lunches for tomorrow out of the leftovers. The person feels like a chef. Yeah. Like, yes, chef. Right. By the way, you can then say, maybe I'll take breakfasts because they're a little bit easier to make breakfast Mm -hmm. and you can cook a little cereal, cereal, but you can do an egg casserole if you're getting a little saucy. Breakfast sando. You could pull off one of those. 
I'm sure you could. So that's one way to do it is to just be okay and not consider it giving up, but just consider Mm -hmm. it a redefinition of the roles of how you do the things you do Mm -hmm. in the family. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to do things like a HelloFresh type of a scenario or or Mm -hmm. whatever meal plan thing is coming to you. Those types of things that send you the ingredients, that type of a thing, it's hard to screw that up. Like people Mm -hmm. who can't cook actually do a decent job of making those things. So maybe you start with those types of things when you make meals for your family. And that's a way to just do it rather than starting from scratch because it's hard to just open up a cookbook and know how to do it. Randy and Jason coming in with some great advice. Lindsay, our compliments to the chef, whether it's uh, you or your husband. (laughs) Randy and Jason, our next question requires your expertise. Great. Lizzie in Seattle writes, I just had twin boys mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you have any advice slash tips specifically on the social aspects of twin life. Like at birthdays, do you sing happy birthday to each of them or one combined song? What if kids want to hang out with one of them, but not the other? I want to nurture their individuality. So I refuse to dress them in matching outfits, Amen. but maybe... They might want to wear the same things, too. I'm guessing the answers to these questions will come naturally over time, but any thoughts are appreciated. Okay. I'm dying, and this is, so we have a lot to say <laughs> on this, but I'm also dying to hear what Tig, I mean, obviously, your, your kids don't look alike, so it's less of a story. Well, uh, but, we have fraternal twins, um, right. but even still, they're the same age, and they're going through the same stages and kind of their interests overlap a bit and they're a group they're a group people ask you how are the boys doing how are they doing how are they yes they, they group yeah. them together naturally it just happens yeah. i'm sure we don't dress them alike Good. but they do have some things that are similar pieces of clothing and they will just accidentally pop up in similar mm-hmm. outfits yeah. and it's funny because people will say, oh, I love it. They're, I love how they're dressed alike. And we're like, we didn't do that. That was completely <laughs> accidental today. We, we do not dress them alike. We get them their own birthday cakes. We have them in different classes in school. We really right. want them to do their own things. First of all, you're doing it in our opinion. You're, you're doing it exactly right. Like if Jay and I show up to a comedy club, because obviously we're coming from different houses and we're mm-hmm. wearing something that is a similar color or in the same clothing genre, Mm -hmm. one of us has to go home or die. Yeah, go away. (laughs) I mean, like, go away. Like, change. you ever see me on stage in a giant coat, just know that I ended up wearing something similar to Randy and we couldn't tolerate both wearing a flannel with the same check pattern. So one thing (laughs) our parents did that I'm going to give advice, uh, and this sometimes isn't financially possible, so please let me begin by acknowledging that. If there is a way to give each child their own room at some point in their lives, like certainly early on, what you are doing knowingly or unknowingly is giving them their own space so that they can retreat to their own space away from their brother or sister and have their own time so that when they come together, they choose to be together and there is that feeling that they always have an escape valve to have alone time. Yeah. That was a major reason why Randy and I still choose to be involved in each other's lives at a very deep level, because all through growing up, we had our own space. 
Yeah. Sometimes people are like, we have this little office that we don't use. And then, but the twins will sleep in the bunk beds in the room. And what I would say to that is, you don't need the office. Yeah. It's more important that they have their own. That's a really good point because you want your sons or daughters or son and daughter to depend on each other, but not be dependent on each other. To be individuals who can function on their own, but also know that this person has got your back no matter what. Yes. We just went through this when Max and Finn turned six. We gave them their own rooms. They were so excited. Yeah. And now still sleep in the same bed. We love it. And we think it's the cutest thing and the funniest thing in the world um, because it is what's great is they have their own things. They have their own room. Mm -hmm. They have their own dressers with their own clothes Mm -hmm. and they go in and they spend time alone or together or whatever and they love it. But at night they're like, do you want to spend the night in my bed? You know, Great. do you want to come over to my room tonight? Great. They have sleepovers in each other's rooms. Uh, the and it's coolest. Just the cutest thing. I mean, you're teaching them how to be in a relationship too, as well. That, like, yeah. imagine you're in a relationship with someone and they're like, I want to be with you all the time in every room that you're in, all the time. Yeah. Even if that's what yeah. you grew up with, that's an unsustainable thing. You need to have time on your own. And you're teaching them it's okay right. to be on your own. The other person's not going to be upset with you. And that's okay. It's a wonderful lesson. I also like the notion that. Sometimes they are going to wear something that's similar and sometimes Mm -hmm. they won't. It's a nuanced thing where sometimes we would come together and be exactly the same. And then sometimes we would be polar opposites and really most of the life lives in the in-between. And as long as you Mm -hmm. acknowledge that it's this living thing that sometimes fits exactly what you expect twins to be and sometimes is where you're a nuanced version of each other. That to me is the best thing you can give your kids and then listen to them, what they are telling you about their relationship. There's one thing that the person said, Lizzie, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happens if some kids want to hang out with that one person with one kid? Well, then you go off and do something with the other kid or you make a hangout with the other kid with another friend, or you send them to different summer camps, sleepaway right. summer camps for the summer where they can just be their own individual person out in this thing. Maybe they won't want to do it, but you try that. I would say if another yeah. kid wants to just hang out with one of your kids, my recommendation would be at least for the first few times to do that play date or hang at the other kid's house. So it's not like in mm-hmm. your house where one kid's just in their room and two kids are playing. I would recommend that. But In general, like what Randy's saying is, you know, you listen to your kids, you listen to what they're telling you that they want and they need, you just be dialed in. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it is. And you don't try to put onto them what you expect them to be. And, you know, I'm sure people talk to your kids and say, who's the good one? Who's the evil one? Who's the, this one? Who's the, that? (laughs) We're all good and we're all evil. We're all, all of it. Everybody is everything. And I would argue that everything is everywhere all at once. I don't know about that. I don't know. Okay. But that's a good okay. name for something. But I <laughs> No, it's not. Oh yeah. It'll right. it'll never it'll never win any awards of any sort. But I do think there is that feeling that like, yeah, you're great and you're also great. And sometimes you're exactly the same and sometimes you are nothing alike and sometimes you're in the middle. It's cool. Lizzie, I'm psyched for you. What a cool thing to like embark upon. Yes. It's very exciting. Yes. Very exciting, and I feel like I called in the experts here. Hey now, so uh, you and Jason, us. Randy, before you go, and also I want to acknowledge and apologize for having you both on my podcast at one time. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> okay. we love it. We, we love actually it. like on, it. We See, it. we're okay with it. 
All right. Well, before you go, uh, I need you to do one more thing. Sure. Which is to enter the confession booth. Welcome to the confession booth. The Don't Ask Tig confession booth requires listeners sharing secrets they've never told anyone in order for us to give them the advice they're afraid to ask for. Today's confession was sent in by a person named Eve. Hi, Tig. I decided I would nap as much as possible with my dog, Beryl. I adopted him in 2018. The problem is my husband objects vehemently to having a dog sleep in our bed. So when my husband is at work, Beryl and I have the most fantastic naps together. Mm -hmm. I do not tell my husband. I wipe any fur off the bed when we get up. Do you advise I carry on? I have tried talking to my husband about it, but he still is opposed. I can talk to this. Jay, you don't have a dog. You can't speak to this. <laughs> I had a dog. I, I know how to talk you about had a dog. All right. There are amazing, amazing dog blankets that are huge mm. that you can put over your bed that when it's time for your nappy time, it's time for you to jump into the barrel, so to speak, yeah, uh, and get with the barrel and snuggle that dog. You do it on the blanket and then it's done. And then no fur gets on the bed. Your husband's okay with it. If you want to tell him about it, you can. If there's no fur on the bed and he doesn't care about it, as long as Beryl knows at night when both people are in the bed, Beryl is not allowed in there. But during the day, if you want to nap with this dog, you put a nice big dog blanket down and then nothing goes on that bed and it's totally cool. Maybe even take your husband's pillow off the bed. Be as respectful as you can. Get to the root of why he doesn't like the dog on the bed and what is the reason. And then do all the things necessary for you to still snuggle that dog because you have to. If you're taking Beryl into the bed, whether it's top secret or, (laughs) you know, out in the open for nap time, how the heck is Beryl going to know that nighttime is off limits when daddy's home? I feel like you're going to be given some mixed messages to this poor little pooch. What about on a couch? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, how about... Here's my question. Is there another bed? Is there another bed mm-hmm. in the house that is not conjugal The conjugal bed. bed. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to assume Ooh. a round water bed. And not fully not your, full not of your water, water where <laughs> it sloshes around. <laughs> Just half full. No, no. Is there another bed in your house, a guest room or mm-hmm. something that can be your barrel nap bed? And you can say to your husband, look, I want you to know this thing. I got this really awesome dog blanket that scoops up all the hair and does its own thing. We're going to do this in another bed. I love this dog. And I think you can say in this day and age, you can say, and it resonates, my mental health and my happiness is there is something I get out of this experience with this dog. And if you want me to be a happy partner in the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. these little barrel naps, like Mm -hmm. they power me up, they charge me up. They make me feel good. And so I want to do them. I also want to respect you. We're meeting somewhere in the middle. Beryl and I have our bed over there. You and I have our bed over there. Yeah, don't just barrel through. I think you need to (laughs) definitely have this conversation. But the other thing is, why does the dog always have to be... In the human bed, couldn't you get in Beryl's bed? You can get a big dog bed. Or if you have the means, have a big barrel dog bed made. First of all, you don't have to get a maid. I have a gigantic dog bed for our English bulldog who's 12. Okay. And it's big enough for me to get into. 
Mm. I have another idea. Air mattress. You can yeah. do that. Evidence up, gone. Put it down. As soon as that dog starts to hear. <laughs> time to get up. That on, dog will know. Like the time. music, the lights go down low. You get on that bed with barrel and anything can happen. This is a pretty, I would say, lightweight confession. But uh, should we assign penance to Eve? No. No. Okay. I love that she's concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Tells me that she is cares about her partner, loves her husband. Mm-hmm. She cares about her husband. And yeah. so there's concern. She wants she doesn't want to disrespect him and she wants to figure out the right solution. So to me, her head's in the right place. If she was like mm-hmm. this jerk, the dog's in the wrong the, place. The, the, you got to move that barrel. <laughs> her heart is in the right place. Barrel's in the, barrel's wrong. In the wrong place. <laughs> Let's get barrel to the right place. <laughs> yeah. Jason and Randy, this was a joy to talk to you and see your mugs. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. We love you. We love you, Tig. Well, I love both of you dearly. We love you, kiddo. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Just uh, you mentioned all the great things that we are excited about that we're doing. And then I would mention Dumb People mm-hmm. Town, a legendary podcast that you have done many times, so many times yeah. that there, I'll say this to our fans uh, and to people listening that our fans love it when we, a lot of times we talk about dumb stories that have happened in the world and we try and break them down and understand why these things happen. And sometimes you're guessing the age of the person who tried to rob a house with his cat or the yeah. uh, how f- the speed limit of the mom who was driving around town with an inflatable pool that wasn't tied onto her car with kids in it. You know, we try and guess those things. And so we put it to our guests to guess. We and- used to say, do you want to go first or last? And when Tig came on, she said, I want to I go-, wanna go in between you two. I want to go second. First, Tig, so or third. now we ask our guests, do you want to go first, Tig, or third? You still say that? Still. That is hilarious. Our fans, lo- we, have, we made shirts. We made shirts that said <laughs> first, Tig, or third, and people wear them to our shows. How are you keeping this information from me? And how can we send people to buy my Tig merchandise through your <laughs> website? I don't know. We got to we gotta figure that out. But uh, We'll get you cut. Well, I would love to do the show again. And thank you, thank you, thank you again for being here. I really do enjoy you both so much. And hope to see you in the flesh sooner than later. I love it. IRL in real life. Let's do it. is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shana Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. 
APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 